sounds like the Fed's going to be uh, hiking, hiking the rate again, aren't they? Yeah, they are. We've got the popcorn popping uh, for the uh, meeting in front of Congress. Powell will be sitting in front of the Senate and the House the next couple of days and talking about the direction of interest rates. And I think the expectation certainly is that he will be talking about higher and longer um, than I think many are expecting because we're still sitting on inflation that's running at six, six and a half percent. And normally, Fed funds get above the inflation rate before you're able to actually whip inflation now. And that's going to be uh, a lot higher than the expectation of about 5.5% right now. Whip inflation now, wasn't that a, a campaign button many years ago? That rang a bell. <laughs> I, I thought that might, uh, yeah, it does. It, uh, it was one of uh, President Ford's uh, campaigns. Uh, later this year, is the feeling that uh, they'll stop these rate hikes? That's the feeling. And, you know, again, it depends on, on what you're looking at for the economy and, and expectations. So, if we run this out and say, okay, the Fed is going to raise rates maybe another half to a full percentage point this year, early this year, that will be sufficiently enough to slow the economy or create a recession. When we get to that point, the Fed would cut interest rates in order to spur economic growth. The question becomes if inflation doesn't come down enough to the target level, will the Fed cut interest rates if the economy is in a recession? If the economy is not in a recession, does the Fed stop hiking rates? And so that's, you know, it's almost the rock and a hard place uh, as far as what the Fed is trying to do here. And, you know, they, they need a scalpel and all they have, unfortunately, is a sledgehammer. (laughs) <laughs> the economic numbers this past week have not been too bad, have they? No, they've been good. Uh, the service side, certainly, and that's two-thirds of the economy. So the service side continues to cook along. And jobs, when we get that on Friday, one of the key things that we'll be looking at are two things. One is wage growth, uh, but also where are the jobs being created. In the last report, we saw a ton of jobs are created in hospitality, bars, restaurants, And that service side of the economy is still doing very, very well. The manufacturing side, housing, uh, those types of things, not so well. Those are a little bit more interest rate sensitive. Services are not as interest rate sensitive, so it's going to be a little more difficult task to get inflation down on the service side. Uh, What is the consumer spending number telling us? still spending pretty well. I mean, you look at the government numbers, the very broad numbers of retail sales and spending, they're doing a great job of spending. We're also seeing revolving credit, which is typically credit card debt. That is starting to pick up, which is telling us that I don't have money in the bank that I'm spending. I'm using my magic plastic and carrying a balance. And that can last for so long. So I think the consumer might be closer to the end of their spending spree. Uh, And so that may also have an impact on the economy, but again, much later in the year. So numbers to keep an eye on are credit numbers for consumers, the retail sales numbers in a very broad sense, again, very good numbers. But when you look at the retailer specifically, it's kind of hit and miss, Walmart, Target, Home Depot, 
uh, we're both uh, are all kind of struggling this last quarter. Paul, explain why some investors watch the S&P 500 to see which way the entire stock market is going. <laughs> it's 500 of the largest companies in the United States. Many of them are multinationals. They tend to be weighted by what they call market cap or how big the companies are. And all that is this number of shares outstanding times the share price. So the largest companies like Apple, like Google, uh, NVIDIA, Tesla even, those are the biggest companies that have the biggest weight in the markets. So different than the Dow, which is basically add up 30 names and divide by 30, um, that gives a much better, broader sense of how the markets are doing uh, than some of the other indices. And the S&P has been around now since the 40s, early 50s. So it's had a very, very long track record. And uh, certainly the top 10 have rotated over time. So just because they're in the top 10 today does not mean that they're going to be there in another 10, 15 years. And finally, uh, Steve just had this on the news. Nice people cannot manage money, according to a study (laughs) at Columbia University. (laughs) I guess they said that uh, (laughs) the more agreeable you are, uh, you're more into people than wealth. Would you care to comment on that? You know, I would, I, yeah, I would beg to differ. I like to think I'm a nice guy and I do a pretty good job managing money. So, um, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but I think it does take a, a certain amount of, of discipline and, and following a, a process in order to manage money. And a lot of times you get very emotional about it. Certainly names that have done very well or some that have been in the family for a long time, maybe your parents or siblings worked for a certain company, so you own that stock because that's where they were at. Mm -hmm. Um, So you need to be a little bit more dispassionate about it, and certainly very uh, very much more disciplined about when you are managing money uh, uh, for yourself. Paul Nolte, Senior Wealth Advisor, Market Strategist for Murphy & Sylvest, and Nice Guy. We'll talk to you next time. All around Nice Guy. (laughs) Thank Thank you, Paul.